Welcome to the Smiles Matter podcast by Micro Dental Laboratories. I'm Laura Kelly, and I'm pleased to host our series, Winning Strategies for Today's Dental Practice. Every time we, we face these challenges, they're not always fun. Nobody likes to be put in a bad place or be in pain or, or have to deal with things that are really hard. But every challenge that we face has these opportunities in them, but we have to be willing to find them and to figure out what that is, you know? And I think that that's something that I'm trying to teach people now is that don't be scared of the challenge. Like this is the same thing as an opportunity. You just have to look at it a little bit different. If you believe or are interested in the power of visualization, you will love this episode. Many of us have been introduced to visualization technique as a tool that can help us achieve our professional and personal goals. It works by conditioning our brain to see, hear, and feel the success in our minds before it happens. And who better than an Olympic champion to talk about the power of visualization and a positive mindset? I am pleased to introduce former Olympic gold medalist, Laura Wilkinson. Laura Wilkinson was born in Houston, Texas, and is best known for winning the gold during the Sydney 2000 Olympic Games for platform diving. Laura has also won during the 2004 World Cup and the 2005 World Championships, becoming the first woman in history to win all three coveted world titles in platform diving. Along the way, she has won 19 U.S. national titles, has been voted by the American public as the 2000 U.S. Olympic Spirit Award winner, and was nominated for an ESPY award. Laura has also been inducted into five different halls of fame, including the International Swimming Hall of Fame. People always notice something that sets Laura apart from her competitors, her smile. She smiles even during the most pressure-packed and fierce competitions. In Laura's own words, I smile because I love what I do. I make a commitment before the competition to enjoy the experience, however it turns out. Enjoy this episode and do not forget to leave us a review and share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. Hi, Laura, and welcome to Smiles Matter podcast. Uh, Hi, Laura. Thanks for having me on. I can't tell you how thrilled we are to have you as a very special guest today. And You know, I can remember, oh gosh, we were just talking about it, what, 20 years ago or so, all the fun that we had during the photo shoot that we did with you in San Francisco, right after winning the gold medal, right? In the Olympic Games in Australia the previous year, is that... Is that yep, that's exactly right. That was really, really fun. I felt super special. <laughs> oh my gosh, because you are, I mean, in, um, amazing uh, accomplishments that you've had then and, and since then. And one of my good friends and uh, a really great dentist here, Dr. Guy Lewis, you know, revitalized your smile, you know, and, uh, you know, you became the face of microdental back then. So I just wanted to say uh, welcome and, and thank you so much for joining us again so we could get updated on everything that's going on with you. Well, I appreciate it. And I I love what you guys do. I, and honestly didn't even know it was a thing until I met Dr. Lewis. So it, it has definitely changed my life and my self-esteem and and all of the good things. (laughs) Yeah. And so now this, that's, what's really interesting to me because to be able to reconnect with you and, you know, just find out, you know, looking back now, right. You have perspective. How did that decision-making process work for you and the effects that this, this uh, rejuvenated smile has had on your self-confidence and your outlook in life, if you could speak to that a little bit. 
Sure. I mean, the first time I, I really realized I had an issue with my teeth, like I felt like they were kind of yellow. Maybe they weren't great, but I, I didn't really think too much about it. I was always smiling. I was a pretty happy person, but I remember doing well kind of early on in my career and my teammate and I made the front of a magazine and they had airbrushed my teeth and you, I was just very obvious. And I was so embarrassed and I felt so ashamed that I wasn't good enough to be on this cover as I was, you know, that, that whoever made some decision to, to make me look very different. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it was, it was very awkward. And so I was very self-conscious kind of from that point moving forward. And after the Olympics, Dr. Lewis, I, I met him at, I don't even remember what event it was, but he just came up to say congratulations and he'd love to come in and, you know, do some like treatment or whatever. And so I was like, well, you know, I need a dentist. So I'm going to go, you know, meet this guy and see what he's all about. And when we started talking about what we could do, and then he just gave me these beautiful, this beautiful set of upper teeth. And that's really what shows in my smile, the amount of confidence that I had after that. And it just, it was, it was amazing to me how just something that seems so small and insignificant in some ways could, could change the way I felt about myself, you know, and not worrying about things like pictures or how I would look in certain things. Like I just, mm -hmm. just felt better, you know, and I've, I've had that confidence ever since then. Yeah. And, and you know, some people too, that I think they share like the, just the expression of their, you know, of what's inside that it's not restricted, right? Like you don't have mm -hmm. to think about, do I want to laugh or do I want to smile really big or how do I look on the cover of this magazine? Right. And you just can be you, right. Did you feel more of like not holding back? Yeah. Well, for sure. Because you always worry about like, well, what picture are they going to get? And what am I going to be looking like now? If they have, are my teeth going to show, or are they not? Are they going to have to do something here? You know? So just, mm -hmm. yeah, just feeling more free, um, that you can just smile as you want, laugh as you want, talk as you want. Like, and that's, it's weird that that's as freeing as it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And did remind me too, was there anything else that, uh, because I remember when your case came in, but it was a long time ago and we've seen a lot of cases since then. Did you correct length and, and shape or what, what other benefits to the other than color did you realize I mean, and how are they feel today? Yeah. Yeah. It was mostly for me, the color, I think. And just, uh, there may have been some evening. It wasn't, it wasn't like a big dramatic change in the size or anything of the teeth, but just, and a little straighter, I think as well. But yeah, so it wasn't, it wasn't like hugely dramatic in some ways, but in other ways it still was very dramatic, you know? Right. And so, you know, fast forward, right? <laughs> There's a lot that's happened with you and what you're, you know, what you're working on. And, you know, after winning the, the gold in the 2000 Olympic games in Sydney, you broke your foot. Was that like prior to that or tell me about before. that? Yeah. So about three months before our Olympic trials that year, I had a training accident at a meet in Florida and I broke my foot in three places. And, you know, that was devastating because I mean, it's just devastating anyways, because it's three months before the Olympic trial, but I had also left my college scholarship. I had kind of gone on a wing and a prayer with barely any money in my pocket to try to make this dream a reality to like leave college and come home and train. And now here I am, you know, completely shattered physically, mentally, emotionally, all the things with just three months before our Olympic trials. So, you know, that wasn't exactly part of my, my plan to get to the Olympics, let alone the top of the podium. But my coach, um, he's as crazy as I am and, and was willing to think outside the box and support me no matter what. And so we came up with a game plan in that time that while I couldn't physically train, I would just kind of focus more on the mental side of things. And so we did a lot of video study, um, a lot of visualization, but also to the point where he would hold my crutches 
and I would hop up the ladder up to the 10 meter on my one good foot and kind of shimmy out to the edge of my cast and go through all the motions of my dives. And he would actually watch me and coach me from the side of the pool. And, you know, if there were people in the workout with me, I had to wait my turn in line. You know, it kind of, it, it was kind of wild, but I mean, I did that for hours every day and it was week after week. I, you know, I was in this boot and this cast and then a boot. I had like three different casts for like 10 weeks doing this. And it wasn't until just about two weeks before the Olympic trials, two and a half weeks, maybe that I got, I was able to get back in the water and start using it. Wow. Um, which is like zero time. Usually it takes me a month even just to get my dives off, not, and not be anywhere near competition ready. And I had two and a half weeks to be at the Olympic trials, but what we had done mentally prepared me in a way I didn't expect. And I ended up winning the trials by a huge margin, making the Olympic team, but then when we got to the Olympics, I mean, because I had had a good shot at making the Olympic team. I was one of our better divers. Uh-huh. But when we got to the Olympic Games, what I was able to do and the amount of just, I guess, mental toughness I had in some crazy moments throughout the finals at the Olympic Games really came to fruition because of all of the visualization and mental training that I had done those weeks, you know, in the cast and like preparing for this moment and not being able to do much physical preparation. So I I really credit like winning the Olympic gold to the setback I had. Like I I know I probably would have made the Olympic team if I hadn't broken my foot, but I I can guarantee you I would have not stood on top of that podium without breaking my foot. It became the very thing that set Mm -hmm. me up for success. It sounds like, you know, the power of that visualization, what an amazing coach that you had, you know, to really introduce that to you in a really impactive way. It sounds like it, it spilled over into more, more than what you intended it for. (laughs) You know what I mean? When you got there to the Olympics, it, it really, it sounds like from what you've just explained that it, it created this foundation, the visualization for a really, well, obviously incredible performance, right? Uh, by you, the accomplishment mm-hmm. to win the gold, but it had to, to maybe help you just get into your own space a hundred percent beyond yeah. your foot. Right. It did. Yeah. And so, I mean, I had, I had done some of this before I had, I had kind of tried to do some mental training before and it had been successful with it, but I was never forced into a place Mm -hmm. where I had to completely rely on it. And because I was doing it so much, you know, I started doing different things with it. Like I wasn't just up there just imagining my dives and doing like good technique. Like I started putting myself in competition scenarios. I started planning for all kinds of things to happen. I started imagining, okay, well, what am I, what am I really bad at? Am I really bad at having the lead? Am I really bad at coming from behind? Well, let let me put myself in that scenario. I knew who all my competitors (laughs) were. I knew all the dives they would do. I knew the order they would do them. Like I knew all of that. So I, I prepared in those ways as well, which I don't know if I had ever gone to that kind of length before. So when the Olympics came and all kinds of crazy things were happening, I was ready to roll with it. Even though I maybe didn't imagine that specific scenario, you know what I mean? I was, I was right. ready for just about anything. And, and that was a preparation um, that just, it just showed me like years after that, where I would just try to prepare for so many different things so that I would be prepared for anything. I love it. I love it. And talking about preparing for anything, there's also been, I mean, you know, we hear this a lot with athletes. There's a lot that your body goes through, right? You know, multiple surgeries sometimes. And you had a wrist surgery and and a lot of pain. Like, how did you work with that? 
you know, what was your experience with how you were able to take that pain and put it into something, you know, really positive? Yeah. So after my second Olympic games in 2004, my, my wrist had been giving me lots of problems. So I had a wrist surgery and I didn't know at the time it was kind of a botched surgery. I was just in a lot of pain and I kept thinking maybe it'll go away. Maybe it'll go away, but it just continued to get worse. And I, I was not sure if I was going to retire or not, but there was a world championships that summer. And I was like, well, if this is it, like, I really want to go to that and I want to do well, I want to end strong. Um, but I was in so much pain. I mean, there were days where I could only get one dive off of the 10 meter and, you know, 15 to 20 dives is like a lot of dives in a workout. And and there were days where I could do 10, you know, but there were days where I could only do one and I never knew which dive was going to be the last one. So it forced me in this place in my head of like, well, if I get one dive, I have to do the right actions. Like I have to do everything correct because this is my only shot. Like it, you know, so which you, you want to do, of course, anytime you do something, you want to give it your all, you want to make the changes and do your best. But when you're again, forced into a place where you have no other choice, but to make the corrections because you might not get another opportunity, that level of urgency it is just created in a different way. And it, it kind of helps you like hyper-focus a little bit where you really have this ability to make these crucial changes that maybe you couldn't make if you knew you got three, four, five opportunities, you know? So mm-hmm. my, my level of quality over those six months, even though I was in excruciating pain was through the roof. And we went to the world championships and I, I'm like notorious for being what they call a finals diver. Where I I don't do really well in the preliminary rounds, but then I can like light it up in the finals. And my my coach always joked with me. He's like, it's great that you're a finals diver, but you have to make it to the finals to be a finals (laughs) diver, you know? And so that was kind of the reputation I had. And at that world championships, I actually won the preliminaries and I stayed in the lead through the semis. And I, then I won the finals, my first world title. So it was a very different experience because it had to be because my, my opportunities were so limited. I had to make the most of them. And so again, like when I was like, after that really learned that, okay, I can do more than I think I can every single time. Like, how do I make that count when I'm not in pain? You know what I mean? So it taught me very valuable lessons moving forward because I did continue on for a few more years. But yeah, I feel like every time we we face these challenges, uh, you know, they're not always fun. Nobody likes to be put in a bad place or be in pain or or have to deal with things that are really hard. But every challenge that we face has these opportunities in them, but we have to be willing to find them and to figure out what that is, you know? And I think Mm -hmm. that that's something that I'm trying to teach people now is that don't be scared of the challenge. Like this is the same thing as an opportunity. You just have to look at it a little bit different. I think you're, you know, from what you've accomplished and what you've gone through, what a, what a, a perfect spot for you <laughs> to have to be able to connect with people and, you know, show them like what you, what I hear you saying is how to recognize it and then, and then how to reframe it, you know, mm-hmm. as, as, an, I mean, we're going to have challenges in life, right? It's just part of it. But, oh, yeah. you know, that mindset that you're talking about and no matter what type of challenge and pre- challenges present different people, how did you, other than your, your coach, right? Any other mentors or any, any other techniques that you use to further develop your mindset in this way? I mean, honestly, my coach was a big factor. I think he just, 
I think it was the only, not, not that I was the only one to listen to him, but I think I just took everything he said to heart and I went with it and I was willing to, to try things that weren't normal. I was willing to, to be the weird one trying new things and, and trying different things. Um, I, I paid attention. I paid attention to what everybody else was doing. I, I was always watching people. I was like the good people and the bad people. And I was like, what's different about them? Why is this person so much better? Why is this person not like why I just, I'm, I was very, I, I'm, I can, I love talking to people. I can be social, but I'm, I'm very introverted. Like I like to just sit in my thoughts a lot. And so I think that was just, my nature was just to observe and then to just try. Like I would live at the pool after practices. They'd have to kick me out. Like we would stay into the next workout, the next, next workout group, just doing stuff off the side of the pool, trying mm-hmm. to things, you know, making fun of people's approaches and trying what they do. And, you know, (laughs) there's something about that when you're, when you're paying attention, when you're observant and, and not just in the great things, but like what sets people apart in a bad way? Like, how do I not become that, you know, but then how do I become like this person and not, not trying to necessarily compete with everyone? Because especially as an athlete, a lot of times it's like, well, I just want to be better. I just want to be whatever. But like when you can respect the people that you're training with or competing against and learn from them instead of being jealous of them or feeling bad because you don't feel like you measure up to them. Like if you can look at it different, again, it's like these little tiny perspective shifts. If you can do that, you learn so much more and it's just fuel for like the next thing that you're doing. So yeah, it was just just really paying attention. <laughs> yeah, no, it's really inspirational and, and really good, great advice because it's those little things that make a big difference, right? Um, yeah. I don't even know how to ask you this because like you're so highly accomplished. You've achieved incredible goals that many people just dream about, but what would you consider, you know, one of your, you know, your, your major accomplishment? What are you most proud of? Uh, it has very little to do with diving. <laughs> um <laughs> I honestly think when I when I gave my life to Christ uh, was the most important moment of my life. I had taken the reins of my life and made a mess of things and realized that my my idea for my life was nothing compared to what I knew Christ had in store for me. And so when I kind of gave the rein, reins back to him and started following him, um, everything changed. And I had purpose and I had hope. And yeah, everything, everything changed from that point on. I was wow. 20 years old. Wow. That's and now twenty years. I mean, you're a mom, right? Yeah. And you've got. Uh, tell me about your kids. They're awesome. <laughs> um, we have we have two via birth and two via adoption from China and Ethiopia. So we're just a fun mix of a family. They're really close together in age, all within like four and a half years, and they're all wildly different. And I love that. So it's, <laughs> it's really fun and crazy, and it, it keeps me going. <laughs> I'm curious. I absolutely just know, you know, that this positive mindset, you know, and the the ability to focus and and use visualization. How do you incorporate that into your your children's life and your family life? Oh, it's not easy because your kids don't want to listen to you, you know. So it's 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 funny because I as I coach other athletes now, sometimes the parents are like, "I told my kid that, and they won't listen to me, but they'll listen to you." And I'm like, "Believe me, I understand. My kids don't want to listen to me either," but. Right. It's really like sitting down with them sometimes and explaining, like walking through what they're experiencing, what they're scared of, you know, whatever it is, and and asking them questions, trying not to 
you know, just tell them all the things because sometimes they just don't want to be told things. They just tune you out, but like really asking them and kind of letting them come up with the answer, you know, but like directing them in such a way so that they figure it out, which is not always easy. It's sometimes tricky, but we've had to just deal with that. We've, I had one daughter who kind of went through recently like a regression and had this attachment issue and couldn't be away from us. So we had to talk a lot about fear and what that looks like and what would happen and how do we protect ourselves from that. And, um, you know, so it's just listening and, and asking a lot of questions and trying to direct them again, because they're their own people to make their own correct decisions. <laughs> right, right. They are definitely their own people with their own little personalities, right? Yes. And um, yes. they have to find that path that works for them. But what a great foundation and uh, support. I want you to share a little bit about your your coaching program and, and your book, because obviously it's not just athletes can benefit from this. I mean, we're all we have uh, different things that present themselves in our lives. And if you could share a little bit about that, I think it'd be great. Yeah. And I, I, this one thing I love to speak on podcasts and to companies and different organizations, because I feel like sports is such a great metaphor for life. You know, sports can be very black and white in the way we look at it, where life is really gray and it's hard to see those black and white things. And so sports can really help us, I think, learn these valuable lessons with those examples. And so my course is called Confident Competitor. And I I teach mainly athletes anything from goal setting and finding motivation to facing and overcoming failure and fear, you know, how to change that little voice inside your head, um, how to deal with emotions, how to be mindful, knowing how to stay in the moment, preparation, like all of those things. And it's, it's so beautiful because young, young athletes take it, professional athletes take it, and then masters, older athletes um, have done it. And it's, it's really neat to see all these people at different places in their journey that are really dealing with a lot of the same issues that we all deal with. It's just learning how to make those changes and recognize, you know, what's happening in the moment to, to be able to change it on a dime like that. And so I wrote my book, it's called Life at 10 Meters, Lessons from an Olympic Champion. It's not an autobiography. It's just basically 10, 10 real good lessons that I learned up on the 10 meter uh, throughout my I life. I love that title. I love it. Life at 10 meters. That's awesome. And that's and it. The, the cover is, is basically my feet, you know, on the end of the platform, looking down at the water. So you kind of get that <laughs> perspective. Yeah. Yeah. It's a super easy read. And I really encourage you if you have kids to read it with your kids. I mean, my, my daughter picked it up when she was like nine or 10 and just blew through it and loved it. She's like, I didn't know this about you, you know, but it's, yeah. it provides some great discussion points about the things that we go through. And I also made a journal called the confidence journal so that people, athletes, or just regular people, it's perfectly fine, can start learning how to set their mindset right each and every morning. It, it allows you to kind of prioritize things, have goals, and you're going to learn from both the wins and the losses every single day. So it's been really fun to kind of step into this new role outside of the pool, not wearing a swimsuit every day and, and encourage other people, um, you know, to, to not just have a good mindset and, and be positive, but to, to live their best life and to be champions in life, you know, in and out of sport. Oh, I love it, Laura. I'm going to get the, I'm actually going to order the book today. I promise. And so I need to, to get that and, and, and have that. I just, I can't tell you how, how exciting it was to be able to reconnect and hear what you're working on. That's so, it's so important. And, and I can't imagine just all the different lives that you're affecting, which is just incredible that you're able to do this and you have more than one gift, Laura. So it's nice to see you tap into the second, second part after diving, right? How can people find you, you know, online or learn more about your coaching programs? 
Yeah. So laurawilkinson.com. Um, if you just go there, there's a little getting started button and you can get a free guide and hop on my email list. So I send out encouraging emails every single week and let you know about the programs and workshops coming up. And I also have a podcast too called Pursuit of Gold, where uh, we talk to athletes and coaches and experts and hear inspiring stories and, and uh, learn about amazing resources. So uh, yeah, it's fun. Oh, I love it. I'll bet, you know, so, so many of our, our listeners, you know, they're parents, right? And I think that would be a great podcast for kids to listen to. Would you agree? Yes. Yeah, great. Well, thank you so much for your time today and just uh, just really great reconnecting with you. And, and uh, I hope to see you or, or run into you somewhere soon. It'd be great to, to see you and congratulations on everything that you're doing. Uh, thank you so much. It was great to reconnect. This is a lot of fun and you guys do amazing work. So please keep it up because you are just building such an encouraging system for so many people out there. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. And we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Okay. Thanks. You've been listening to the Smiles Matter podcast. For more information, you can go to our website, www.microdental.com slash smilesmatterpodcast, or find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else podcasts are available. Thank you for listening, because we believe that smiles matter.